the word Christ or Messiah, Saviour, and then Mass, which is a celebration. So if you put them two together, Christmas is a celebration of the Saviour, of the Christ, isn't it? We celebrate this coming Messiah. We is a time to be joyful. It is a time to be singing joy to the world at the top of our lungs because of what God did by sending his son for us. This Messiah came and took the punishment for the things that we have both done and the things we have thought of. And so it's a worthy time to be celebrating, isn't it? But if we are truthful, Christmas is one of the most stressful times of the year. Isn't it? We seem to be running from this activity to that activity. You've suddenly realised you've forgotten a present for great aunt Gertie that you haven't seen for two years, but you need to get her something anyway. And you're running from here to there and everywhere. And then to top it off, the last two years haven't been easy, have they? With COVID and various strains of COVID coming through, there's a lot of uncertainty going on in the world, isn't there? when we're not even sure whether you can even go to another part of Australia, let alone other parts of the world. When you look at the news or any other reputable sort of news service, the, the world is going crazy. Things which were unheard of not that long ago are now commonplace. And it's easy to feel a sense of dread, of foreboding, a feeling like there's a lack of hope in the world, isn't there? We end up feeling a bit like Mr. Tumnus from The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe. Now, I'll just do a quick recap for those who haven't been following along with the series that Pastor Rob has been doing. Lucy Pevensey and her siblings, Peter, Susan and Edmund, they find themselves going from war-ravaged England in World War II to an equally threatened land of Narnia, caught up in the wintry grip of the White Witch. In Narnia, everything is frozen. Life has ground to a halt, a bit like going into lockdown sometimes, that sort of thing, but even worse. Mr. Thomas, a fawn, explains to Lucy that this winter is joyless, is as joyless as it is eternal. Always winter and never Christmas. Think of that, Mr. Thomas says to Lucy, scarcely believing it himself. The long winter has actually affected Mr. Tumnus. He can remember vaguely what it was like before the winter, but he has become so accustomed to the winter that it affects the way he thinks. This gives us a picture of a place lacking in hope a place filled with dread and gloom, a place without joy, a place, if we're honest, seems very much like the world in which we live today, isn't it? 700 years before Christ, the prophet Isaiah lived in the land of Judah at a time of great wickedness. He prophesied continually that of the wickedness of the people and that God would judge them. And yet he gave the people hope through the words that Isaiah chapter 9 verses 1 to 7, which Adele read so well. Thank you for doing that wherever you are sitting now. So, through the words of 
Isaiah and the prophets, God sent hope. In the midst of a land which was full of dread and lacking hope, God sent hope. Through the words of different prophets, God sent hope for the people to hold on to, to cling on to. And for more than 700 years, they held on to it, they clung on to it. Let's look at this passage a bit more carefully. Verse 1. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honour Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom. Now this gloom, it carries over from Isaiah chapter 8. You can check it up on your devices or your Bibles. Where Isaiah warned Judah about the coming invasion from Assyria. Isaiah 8.22 says, Then they will look to the earth and see trouble and darkness, gloom of anguish, and they will be driven into darkness. The invasion of the Assyrians would be terrible, but it would be especially so for the people who lived in the land of Zebulun and Naphtali. If you look on the map of Israel, Zebulun and Naphtali are at the top. Now, the Assyrians weren't going to attack from the east because there was a desert there. So they were going to come straight down the middle, which was quite clear and safe for them to come down. And they were to cop the full blunt of it, brunt of it. And if you've read anything about what the Assyrians did to people, it was catastrophic. Things like impaling and flaying, I had to look that one up, and de- deportation and a whole bunch of other stuff which I'm not going to say. And yet it was here in the land of Naphtali and Zebulun that Jesus first sent his ministry, he first began his ministry. When the Messiah went out, he purposely went to these areas and it was there that these were the first ones to receive the hope of the Messiah. And then notice too, the verse says, but in the future he will honour Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. Even though Jesus was born in Bethlehem, throughout his life he was known as a, as a what? Galilean. Think about this. More than 700 years before Christ was born, Isaiah gave a huge hint as to where the Messiah would come from. Pretty amazing things. I know it's a bit of a side-like about Christmas, but this is pretty amazing that all these prophets kept on talking about this Messiah. And then when he turned up, people were going, I didn't see it coming when the prophets had been talking about it for centuries. Verse 2. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. As I said, those northern tribes, they were going to receive the, the brunt of the coming Assyrians and all the terrible things that went with that. But it, God, in his mercy, sent Christ to go there first off, to send the first light of the Messiah. Now dawn for me is one of the best parts of the day. I know those night people, that's your worst part of the day. But for me, I love it. I love seeing those first lights of the just streaming through on the horizon. And that for me, it gives me a sense of hope and anticipation that no matter whatever rubbish day I've had before, the first lights of the dawn bring a new hope, a new 
day that something's going to be better. When Kathy and I ran our guest house in Thailand, one of my jobs was to get up and open uh, the, the rooms and, and make sure everything was all ready for the day. And then I'd take the dogs for a walk along the beach. And this is actually something I miss very much. And I always made a point of walking along the beach just as this happened. Those first light coming through, those first shards of light coming through. And the Messiah was to bring hope, just like those first shards of the light of the dawn. And if at this moment you are lacking hope, if you're going, oh, I can't hold on much longer, keep trusting, keep believing, keep asking God to step in because he will. His word promises that over and over again. And he will send hope just like those first shards of light at dawn. Hebrews 10 verse 23 says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. He will not let you go. Don't give up hope. I'll now skip verses 3 to 5 and we'll move on to verse 6, which is the key verse of the passage. For to us a child is... Is born to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. For to us a child is given shows us this Messiah would be a man. For to us a son is given shows that this man would also be the Son of God, the second part of the Godhead. The Messiah is both man and God. If Jesus were fully man, he couldn't stand in the place of sinful man and be a substitute for the punishment man deserves. And yet, if he was fully God, his sacrifice would be insufficient. If Jesus is not fully man and fully God, then we are lost. We might as well close up shop and go on home. But he was God and man. This is so important. The Messiah is man and God, so that we could be saved. And the government will be on his shoulders. Now, this is ultimately talking about the time when Jesus will reign on earth as king King of kings and lord of lords. This passage is talking about the coming Messiah, not the one we celebrate, which is good and we are thankful for, but the one who will reign on earth. Yet when Christ followers today love as Christ loved, when they accept Christ as king of their life, it shows who governs them. In our lives right now, if we say he's king of kings, then he should reign in our hearts, in our lives. When Christ followers care for the widows, the orphans, the downtrodden, it shows who governs them. When people praise God for who he is, it shows who governs them. When people give generously of their time and possessions because of their love for God, it shows who governs them. When Christ followers show grace as he offered to their fellow believers and those who have not yet chosen to follow him, it shows who governs them. Whenever people choose to live their lives fully for him, and are willing to follow him, no matter the cost, it shows who governs them. 
when you see those things in action, you can know with certainty who governs them. And now we come to the best part of this passage. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Wonderful Counselor. He is wonderful. He is worthy of our awe. He is worthy of us to just stop and go be amazed at who God is, who Christ is. Yet he is also the one who guides us, who leads us, who helps us with our problems. One of my favourite verses is 1 Peter 5 verse 7. Cast all your cares, all your worries on him because he cares for you. Cast them, throw them away. You know, like when you're fishing, cast them away because he cares for you. Everlasting Father. Jesus is the source or the author of all eternity. He was the creator himself. John chapter 1 says he was there from the beginning and all th- through him all things were made. Note too, and I don't want to get anyone coming have a bit of a talk with me afterwards, I'm not saying that Jesus himself is the person of the Father in the Trinity, okay? I'm not saying that. Prince of Peace. He is the one who makes peace, especially between God and man. In other words, this Messiah, he's our saviour. He's the one who makes us right with God. He makes us righteous with God. Not through anything we can do, but simply through what Christ did for us. Now, these words are not that Isaiah wrote are not words of despair or defeat, are they? They are words of joy, of hope, of eager anticipation. These are words that were held onto for more than seven hundred years. These words were clung onto for more than seven hundred years that one day the Messiah would come. This is the Messiah that we celebrate at Christmas. In The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe, when Mr. Beaver talks about Aslan, the lion who represents Jesus, he talks with anticipation and hope. Mr. Beaver says, and I'm not going to put the same voice that this one did, they say Aslan is on the move. Perhaps he has already landed. And the story goes on. And now a curious thing happened. None of the children knew who Aslan was any more than you do. But the moment the beaver had spoken these words, everyone felt quite different. Perhaps it has something has happened to you in a dream that someone says something which you don't understand. But in the dream, it feels as if it has enormous meaning. Either a terrifying one which turns the whole dream into a nightmare or else a lovely meaning too lovely to put into words, which makes the dream so beautiful that you can remember it all your life and are always wishing that you could get back into that dream again. It was like that now. At the name of Aslan, each one of the children felt something jump in its inside. Edmund felt a sensation of mysterious horror. Peter felt suddenly brave and adventurous. Susan felt as if some delicious smell or some delightful strain of music had just floated by her. And Lucy got the feeling that you have when you wake up in the morning and realise that it is the beginning of the holidays or the beginning of summer. Aslan the king is coming! And it stirs up different emotions in the children. For three, those feelings are of excitement, of wonder. But for one, there is dread and horror. 
Mr. Beaver, Mr. and Mrs. Beaver explain that everyone who meets Aslan is filled with awe and wonder. Mrs. Beaver says, anyone who can appear before Aslan without their knees knocking, they're either braver than most or just silly. This causes the children to be nervous and Lucy says, is he safe? To which Mr. Beaver responds with, safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. Now, of course, this is a story, but it gives us a good insight, along with the passage that was just read, as to who the Christ is, who this Christ is that we celebrate at Christmas. This Christ is the Son of God. He is God. He's the king. He's ruler of those who choose to follow him. And one day, at a day when we don't know when, he will come again to rule over the whole world. He is saviour. He's the one who came to earth in human form so that we could be reconciled to God. He is the only way to be reconciled with God. There is no other way. He is just. He's a just ruler. I actually like that last verse of the, that Adele read. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 7. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time, time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish it. This king will rule justly. He will treat everyone fairly and will make the right decisions. We often grizzle our governments, don't we? Because we go, oh, they made the wrong decision there. But this king who will reign, who reigns in our hearts, will make the right decisions all the time. This Christmas is about the Messiah that has come and we are thankful for that. But it's also about the king who is yet to come. Christmas is a yearly reminder about what has happened, but also what is yet to happen. It's something to look forward to, to anticipate, to eagerly prepare for. But I wonder this morning, how do you feel about the coming king? When you hear these words, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. I wonder what feelings stir up in you. Do you feel excited? Going, yes, I'm hanging out for the day when God and all his glory will appear, when that light will shine, when the trumpets will sound. I'm so excited for that. Maybe it gives you hope. Life is difficult at the moment and you are clinging on. And the reminder that one day Christ will come again in all his glory just gives you that extra hope to keep on going. Maybe it gives you encouragement. Maybe going, oh, this helps me just to keep on going, to keep on living my Christianity, to keep on being serious about it. In Aussie terms, to keep on being fair dinkum about being a Christian. Maybe it fills you with dread. And this is actually goes two ways. Firstly, you may feel a sense of dread because you have people around you in your lives who haven't not yet chosen to follow Christ. 
And that saddens you because you know that when Christ comes again, whenever that is, that you know that though you may be joyful, for those people it will be a day of abject horror. And that fills you with dread. Alternatively, you could feel, feel dread because you go, yeah, I've been doing this sort of Christian thing a fair bit of my life. I'm just sort of doing the God thing a bit. But Jesus is not reigning fully in your life. You haven't submitted fully to his authority. I encourage you this morning, before it is too late, to get right with God, to find someone who knows Jesus, who trusts him, and get them to walk with you. For certain there's anything, when God comes, when Christ comes again, it will be too late. The Bible is very clear that Jesus is the only way to God, the only way. And alternatively, and this is probably the most scary one, and, and I actually feel quite sad about this one, you may just feel like you're not too fussed, like you don't really care, or you feel apathetic. You go, yeah, I, I, I'm saved, I, I'm all right, but you know, when, when, whenever that comes, I'll be, I'll be right. Well, if you're apathetic, maybe it suggests that you aren't as real about your faith in Christ as you once were. And I would encourage you, if you're feeling a bit apathetic about, yeah, when Christ comes, whatever, that you get back to him. You start talking to him. You start listening to him. Use this Christmas period in all its busyness to find a time to go, Christ, I know you are my saviour. I know that I should be living for you as I once did. Make a time of getting back to him. Return to the love you once had. Regardless of how you may feel, and there may be other feelings you may feel as well, Christ is coming again. The king will return. Wonderful counsellor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. These words need to elicit our response in us today. And as I prepare this message, this is something I've been battling myself with. How do I feel about these words? How can I share with the people this morning about these words and encourage our response if I can't even work it out in my own mind what's going on? And this is what I've come up with. It's been a bit of a journey. For me, Christ is my wonderful counsellor. He's the one who goes before me and who guides me. For me, Christ is mighty God. I have seen God's awesomeness in action, both in his creation, but in the way he just steps in. I love it when God steps in because I get to stand back and go, you did this, God, not me. For me, Christ is everlasting Father. He's the one there from the beginning. I'm still working out things about myself, so I'm sort of encouraged that Christ knows me far better than I know myself. And for me, Christ is Prince of Peace. He's my saviour. I, I, in a very simple way, asked Christ into my heart at the age of eight and have been steadily trying to follow him as best I can ever since. He is my saviour. There can be no doubt about that. So because of these words, I'm encouraged to keep going. These words encourage me, as someone wise once said, to stick in there. 
to stick in there, to keep on running the race with Jesus, to keep on encouraging others to stick in there as well. These words help me that in the midst of a world and a life full of challenges, I need to keep looking to Christ. It's often easy to look at the problems around us and the trials we are going through and we forget about Christ and we look at those things and we forget about Christ. And for me, these words remind me to get my eyes focused on Christ again. Yet in these words, there's also motivation. One day, as I've said, Christ will turn in a burst of light. And for those who have not yet chosen to follow him, it will be a day of dread and horror. And that saddens me. And it motivates me to do to look for opportunities to point people to him before it is too late. It's one of the reasons why we are running Holiday Club in January school holidays, is to give children an opportunity to hear about the gospel, to hear about the truths of the Messiah. Finally, these words, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. These words call me to radical obedience. If he is not those things to me, then I need to. Sorry, if he is those things to me, I almost got it wrong. If he's not, if he is those things to me, then I need to follow obediently. He needs to have my undivided loyalty and focus. I need to do those things he wants me to do with the assurance he will equip me for, regardless of the task he gives me. If he is king, then I need to treat him with the respect and the loyalty which he deserves, regardless of the cost or consequences. I wrote that last bit last night because there's something I'm sort of working through at the moment and it, it was hard writing it. It's hard going, I, if these words are real to me, then I have to accept the cost of following him no matter. For me, that's how I feel about those words. What about you? What are you going to do about this reminder that the king is coming and the king has come? You know, no one knows when when Christ will return, but just say he was going to return, say, January 14 next year. Just say. Would we do the same things that we are going to do now? Would we have our normal schedules like we would? This is a challenge for you, right? It's more a rhetorical question. If we knew that Christ was going to return on January 14, would our lives change at all? And if they would, then you need to ask a question about why they would change. But until Christ returns, I think we need to to live our lives with renewed vigour and excitement for him. Let's use these words to be thankful for the Messiah that came, but eagerly anticipate the Messiah that is yet to come. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Dare to believe Christ has come. Let's celebrate that this Christmas Christ has come. But also let's look with anticipation to Christ coming again. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you for who you are. Thank you that you are king. 
You are Lord. You are worthy of our awe, our, our loyalty. Thank you that you sent your son as saviour oh, 2,000 years ago for us. Thank you for this. Thank you that you sent Christ as both God and man. But thank you too that you are coming again one day and we don't know when. But until that point, I ask that you'll help us to live our lives with renewed vigour, with renewed excitement, with renewed hope and trust in you. Lord, I pray for the people here today that you'll speak to their hearts about where they're at with you, that as they see those words, wonderful counsellor, mighty God, everlasting Father, may they consider what that means to, to them. If there are changes that need to happen in their lives, then please encourage them to do that. And if they, they are people here who are lacking hope, please encourage them. Lord, please may we use this Christmas time to think more on you and to be thankful for who you are. We pray this in your name. Amen.